EM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we like to switch it up with board studying and make it a little bit more enjoyable. I am Iltafat Hussein and I'm joined by Dr. Blake Briggs. What, what? So, for every 10 minute episode, you gain high yield board knowledge. Uh, we like to say, come for the stems, uh, stay for the content. Please subscribe uh, to our podcast on iTunes. Drop us a couple five-star reviews. If it's going to be less than five stars, no worries on those reviews. Also, go to our website at <laughs> emboardbombs.com. That's emboardbombs.com. We've got a lot of good just handouts that you can use for board studying. Hey, Dr. Briggs, you ready for this topic? I am more than ready. This is coming off kind of a holiday weekend, and I'm just pumped up for this. Yeah, I am too. Just nursing this cold, but... I'll get through it. You just show up to work. Yeah, do it for the pod. You, you show up and you just keep working. No That's days right. off. So on to our question. This is a pediatric question. The patients of 11-year-old are bringing in their son due to tremors. He was watching video games of the popular YouTuber PewDiePie. <laughs> Man, I can't believe we're promoting a YouTube channel on our podcast. Apparently, he's like the most popular YouTuber, and that's how you pronounce his name. I had to look that up because I didn't know how. I don't know, honestly. I just looked up popular YouTubers because I had heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, to this kid, he he stumbled upon some sort of Monster Energy Drink Challenge video. So he subsequently ingested four cans of Monster in one hour after he watched the video, and he's now in your ER. The patient state he has no medical history other than ADHD for which he's on two different medications for. His vitals are within normal limits, yet he feels like he's a bit jittery. Further, in the exam room, he's now dancing and doing the Drake In My Feeling Challenge (laughs) and recording it for his vlog. So a 12-lead EKG is performed in between his gyrations of Drake. (laughs) Which of the following is true? A, T-wave inversion implies myocarditis in children in the precordial leads. B, right access deviation in infants is an expected finding. C, all conduction intervals are longer in children due to immature neural connections. D, R-wave dominance in infancy carries an ominous prognosis. E, the most common cause of wide complex tachycardia in children is ventricular tachycardia. The correct answer is what, Dr. Briggs? Correct answer here is going to be B, the right axis deviation in infants is an expected and not concerning finding. Hey, and before everyone gets depressed about this question and starts <laughs> to tune it out, all right, yes, this is a pediatric question. Yes, it's a pediatric EKG, but this is important to know, all right? We're going to keep it short. We're not going to get into crazy, crazy like pathophys or anything like that. Remember, we tell you what you need to know for the boards, right? So... Before you switch over to a more fun question, all right, we got to get through this. No issues. No drama. No drama. No (laughs) jokes. No drama. Always serious on this show. (laughs) Let's just dive into this because actually I'm not even happy, Camper, about this question because I'm not enthralled by pediatric EKGs. Um, Things to keep in mind here. During infancy, the right ventricle is larger than the left ventricle. And this makes sense because when the 
patient was in utero as a fetus, the blood supply had a high pulmonary vessel resistance. So, you know, at that time, the right ventricle was larger. Makes sense. You're going to have a right axis deviation. You're going to have a dominant R wave in the precordial lead. You're going to have an RSR prime sometimes in the precordial leads as well. And finally, T wave inversion in leads V1 through V3. That's really important. The T wave inversion is something that classically trips up because when we see T wave inversion in adults and it's new, that's concerning. But T wave People inversion. People start freaking out. Freak out. And that pediatric EKG shows it. So T wave negative. inversion, T wave inversion again, V1 through V3, go to a normal upright around age eight. And this whole RV hypertrophy kind of pattern we just mentioned, that'll start to shift as well from infancy as a child gets older. The boards are never going to ask you at what age this whole thing you know, changes and they are a normal adult. <laughs> Back into adult world where we feel safe and comfortable. <laughs> but <laughs> it happens at some point and it doesn't matter. They're not going to give you a seven-year-old and say, is this a normal EKG versus a nine-year-old? They're yes. not going to do that. The EKG pictures are classically going to be like, is this a STEMI or not? Or is this AFib or not? Or is this a tachycardia very, or not? Very obvious. Yeah. Things. It's not going to yes. be like, interpret this normal EKG. Like, it's not going to be like that at yes. all. In kids, Correct. they're only going to give you EKGs if it's like Wolf Parkinson White or Long QT or something like classic or, you know, arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy, whatever the hell it's called. That, that, that horrible, scary condition that kills you in your sleep. Um, that's not going to be like that. This question purposely is written like the way we wrote it. So let's continue onward. So we got the right ventricular hypertrophy thing down for infants. We got the T wave inversion thing down for kids. The other thing to know is that the conduction intervals, the conduction intervals are all shorter due to the smaller heart. So the electrical wiring of the heart is um, a shorter network, shorter circuit, unlike an adult heart. Um, the one exception to that is that the QTC is actually, I thought this was kind of cool. So fun fact of the day, I don't think this is a bonus. Well, I guess it's a bonus. You want to do a bonus? We haven't done a bonus in a while. Hey, let's do it because this is kind of a depressing topic anyway. <laughs> it can happen. So. Now it's time for a bonus bomb. So, Boom. you know why the QTC is longer in pediatric heart? I had no idea why this was, and it just occurred to me why the case it was. So, the, the hearts in children are actually pretty efficient compared to, you know, some 45-year-old diabetic with two MIs and cabbage. And kids, less than 10 years old, because the heart is so efficient, it conducts itself to have long, sustained heartbeats and then long, sustained repolarizations. So that's why the QT can be a little bit longer uh, than you would expect um, in children. All the other conduction intervals are actually short, though. So the PR interval is short, you know. Um, that's the only one I can list off the top of my head. <laughs> but basically, all the, all the other conduction intervals look great. That's the only one I look at. So the big things to watch out for. What are the big things to watch out for pediatric EKGs? The scary things. Well, we just mentioned one of them. Basically, what are the things that are going to kill you as a kid? So we got to think of arrhythmias that can kill you. What are arrhythmias that can kill you? Well, long QT syndrome. That's pretty scary. I know we just said that QT is long in children, but it's not super long. These are going to be kids that, you know, with relevant historical features, you know, syncope or dysneonic. Family histories as well. Family history. Nocturnal agonal respiration, which is the scariest oh, term ever. That's like for Burgata, but same thing. So yeah, you're going to have that family history of sudden cardiac death. The other thing is going to be pericarditis or myocarditis. Um, the pericarditis you're going to see very similar to an adult. The ST segment changes. Um, you have the uh, PR, PR uh, segment depression in lead AVR, etc. We won't go into that. And then the myocarditis, which is going to be a prolonged QT again and a prolonged PR interval. 
Wolf Parkinson White, as you know, everyone knows this, you're going to have a short PR interval with a delta wave, the classic delta wave. And then, of course, the other thing to look out for is going to be electrolyte changes that are pretty much going to be the same in adults as they are in kids, which is really like a sigh of relief in my view. So if you have hyperkalemia, you're going to probably see peak T-waves. If you're going to see hypokalemia, you're going to see flattened T-waves and a U-wave maybe. So that's the big four uh, to look out for. Dr. Stane, you got anything to add to this? I don't. I don't. I think we covered all the key things. Wonderful. A couple other things. We have to still cover that. Uh, that one step choice, right? The most common cause of wide complex tachycardia in children is ventricular tachycardia Man, and why been... that is not correct. Why that is not just correct. just keeping me in line. I love it. So 90% of SVTs are caused by a reentrant rhythm. A quarter of those are due to Wolf-Parkinson's wife. That's actually a higher number. Wow. That actually freaks Huge. me out. That freaks me yeah. out to send these kids home. Yeah. So Wolf-Parkinson's wife is a quarter of all the SVTs that can happen. This is the killer statistic. You ready for this? Are you sitting down right now? Uh, I was standing and pacing, but I will sit down now. Just have your microphone in your hand, pacing the room. <laughs> That's exactly what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. So make sure you take a seat. 95%, 95% of wide complex tachycardia is not ventricular tachycardia in kids. Whoops, surprise. So 95% wow. of wide complex tachycardia in kids is SVT with aberrancy or antidromic Wolf-Parkinson-White or an SVT with bundle branch block. Basically, 95% of wide complex tachycardia is some type of SVT variant. Let Boom. that sink in. Let that sink in. Just let it. Mic I'm letting drop. it just like permeate through. You drop know? your mic. Like, You're pacing. Just drop it. Drop it. Hold on. I'm going to do the mic hit. Did it? I don't know if that registered. <laughs> that was great. Anyway, yep. in that case, because of that, because we have this whole wide complex tachycardia being SVT variant, Absolutely no verapamil or beta blocker should ever be used in kids with an SVT. And you're probably wondering, why is that? Well, that's because you could cause a profound AV block, and then you cause negative inotropy and sudden death. And that's not good. Ooh, sudden death, not good. Sudden death in adults, not good. Sudden death in kids, really not good. Yes, yes. very <laughs> suboptimal. Yeah, both are very suboptimal. So no verapamil or beta blocker in kids with SVT. And that's also because, remember, you know, you got the whole wolf Parkinson and white issue too that could be going on remember like literally 25 yeah. percent of these kids could have wpw and uh if you give them a right. beta blocker of rab mill you could literally like just send their heart into a re-entrant crazy crazy, crazy yeah, i was gonna hey, say crazy too i didn't think of a word there do those key things what to expect on the boards you okay. brought this in really well thank you key things ekg findings yeah. right axis deviation what else yeah so Infants, you're going to have right axis deviation, dominant R wave in the precordial leads, and an RSR prime in the precordial leads. You're also going to see T wave inversion in leads V1 through V3. Conduction intervals are all going to be shortened due to a smaller, more efficient heart. The QTC, however, is typically borderline long. The borderline, thing, not super yeah. long, borderline. Yeah, don't send a kid home with a QTC of, you know, 590. <laughs> yeah. Borderline, borderline, my friends. <laughs> oh, it's long. That's what Blake and Iltafat said. Yes, yes. Follow up with that cards. Is not what we said. Follow up with cards <laughs> in a year. No. Big things to watch exactly. out for. Hence the long QT syndrome. So remember that Romano Ward and Jervaux uh, Lang Nielsen syndrome. You need to look out for pericarditis and myocarditis as well, and you look out for electrolyte changes, which are the same in kids as in adults in terms of their manifestations on EKGs. Remember that ninety percent of the SVTs are reentrant cause, and 25% of those SVTs can be Wolf-Parkinson-White. 95% of wide complex tachycardia in kids is not ventricular tachycardia. It is SVT of some variant with aberrancy, with bundle branch block, 
or with wolf markets in white. And then, of course, no verapamilar beta blockers are indicated with people with SVTs due to the profound AV block and risk of negative inotropy and sudden death. Whoo! Done. Just did it. Oh, we're done. We're out. We're out. We're not going to say bye to you. No, you got to do the, you got to do the, <laughs> hey, come and subscribe thing first. Oh, of course. Yes. How then could I forget that? All right. So, so another board bomb has been delivered. Remember to subscribe to iTunes. Tell other people about our podcast. Send it to your friends and family. Tell them to enjoy it and learn. Go to our website, emboardbombs.com, for future episodes, future content. And you can get on our newsletter if you want uh, on our website. Thanks so much, and we are out.